0: Now, Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 12, uh, a recurring theme in my conversations with people lately has been a sense of exhaustion. Uh, we have been through a great deal together just as a society, as, a, as the world, uh, with this pandemic, with um, great upheavals politically, and as uh, Tom mentioned in the news, there's A lot to think about. There's a lot to navigate. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of differences of opinions. There's a lot of uh, sources for potential anxiety. And I wonder if it's just created this low grade sort of haze that we're all kind of looking through. Now, you may be here and feel perfectly energized and you're doing great and that's awesome. I still think this will be a helpful passage for you. But this passage will especially be helpful for those who are feeling kind of weak lately. Uh, and I would count myself in that category. It's, it's been a bit of a slog in some ways lately. So what our passage is offering for us is a path for the weak, a path for you when you are feeling weak. And I didn't title it the path because the Bible is very nuanced and has several passages that give insight into what we ought to do and how we ought to think when we're feeling weak. But this is one of them, and it, it offers a path for you when you're feeling kind of weak. We're going to read the first two verses, verses 12 and 13. Just so you know what's going on up to this point in the book, the, the people that are being addressed in the book of Hebrews were part of a church where people were falling away from Jesus Christ. Uh, they were being strongly tempted to turn back to Judaism, which I know is not necessarily a strong temptation probably for many of us, but we can understand that temptation to drift away from Jesus. It sounded like it was happening subtly, and people were beginning to neglect to attend the, the gatherings together, and they were just starting to drift away. They were starting to drift away from some of their core beliefs that they held as Christians and let go of those things and embrace other paths. And so that's what this whole thing is trying to correct. Right before these verses, he's been explaining that when we as Christians encounter difficulties because of our faith in Jesus— God uses those struggles to discipline us and make us more righteous and holy, but he's acknowledging that it's not always easy, and sometimes, as Christians, we begin to droop and sag and feel weak and tired, and that's what he's getting into here at verse 12. He writes, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So if perhaps you now or in the future might feel droopy-handed and weak need here's some good and helpful instructions, a path that you can rouse yourself to try to walk. And it's just two things. So it's not trying to get us to do spiritual p 90 x you know, sometimes physically, we won't exercise for decades, and then we're like, well, we need, I need to get back into it. I'm going to do, uh, I think it's Jim Gaffigan, or some stand-up comedian, is like, I haven't exercised in 40 years. I'm going to do what the Marines do. I'm going to do P90X, and then inevitably you injure yourself, and you, it doesn't work. We need to, when we feel this way, when our hands are drooping and our knees are weak and we're lame in some way, we just need to start to strengthen some basic muscles. This is just two basic, think of it like physical therapy. Just some basic muscles here. That way, we won't get out of joint as we move forward. But instead, we will move toward healing. Because when you're weak as a Christian, there are a couple ways that Christians tend to get out of joint and damage themselves. So let's go ahead and read on and see what he's going to instruct us to do. Verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone, and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Peace and holiness. So those are the only two things, if you're feeling very weak, just think about these two things for right now. Just peace and holiness. Peace with everyone, this is referring to a wholeness in your relationships with people. Start to think just about, well, how am I relating to people? Holiness is referring to sanctification or being, having been set apart unto the Lord. So here we're thinking about our relationship with God. So just start to think about your relationship with people, your relationship with God. Don't get all lost in the weeds of everything you're not doing right, everything you ought to be doing, but you don't feel like doing, and get overwhelmed. Let's just think about two things for right now. These are some of the first things to break down. For weakened Christians who are weakened for whatever reason, yeah, you know, I, Meredith and I both have talked about. We have our own physical ailments that are likely to go bad when we're not taking care of ourselves. Um, I remember at the beach one year, I decided I'm going to get fit, and I started running. And uh, somehow or another, it like destroyed my feet, and I could not like walk on them for the rest of the week, and I just had to lay on the couch uh, because I went from nothing to like just trying to run like an idiot. Meredith, if she just starts up exercising without easing into it, it's her back will go out. And so we know there's sort of some first things that break down for us when we're in this weakened state. Same for us spiritually. They tend to have to do with how we relate to people and how we relate to God. If we don't start with these basics, we'll likely have some consequences, and the consequences that are mentioned here in the passage are severe, way worse than your back going out. He says, strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And then you read on into verse 15, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So the Hebrew, in in this group of people, there were those who were completely actually turning away from faith in Jesus Christ altogether and renouncing faith in Christ, and returning to Judaism. And that's sort of the worst-case scenario. If when we start to get weak as Christians and start to neglect gathering for fellowship and start to neglect our spiritual disciplines and spiritual growth, that's kind of the worst-case scenario of where that trajectory goes to a complete abandonment of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I know that raises the whole question, does that mean you can lose your salvation? That's not what this passage is trying to answer, and I don't think that I can fully answer that right now. I do not believe you can lose your salvation, but I do believe your response to passages like this will indicate whether you're truly saved or not, and that there are many who will believe they're saved and who will start out strong in the Christian faith, but will bit by bit turn away and reveal that they never genuinely were saved. So we want to respond well to this passage, respond in light of our salvation. So if you're feeling weak, here's your physical therapy. Strive for peace and holiness, peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. How? Well, I'm glad you asked. This passage gets really specific and practical as we read on. Let's look at verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So let's think about peace with everyone for a moment. And specifically, let's think about roots of bitterness. So be scanning your life for roots of bitterness. When we are in a weakened state, we can begin to relate to people in unchristian or non-Christian ways. As Christians, we have received all kinds of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And when we're walking with Christ, we're just dispensing that out to the people around us. People bump up against us, and their sin hurts us and nudges us. We just want to give them the same mercy, grace, and forgiveness that we've received. But when we start to drift away from Jesus, we can begin to revert back to old patterns, and instead of being merciful, we can be merciless. Instead of being gracious, we can be vindictive. Instead of being forgiving, we can be unforgiving. And it starts like a root. It starts like a root under the surface. So long as it's under the surface, there's really no visible problem with this. We may be kind of boiling with it, but we're not, it hasn't burst up through the surface yet. But once it does, and it will, once it springs up, as it says here, there are major problems. It says it causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. Causes trouble is an interesting Greek word. It, it's like the word in and mob together, like it in mobs you. It's like it's, it, it can cause such sudden trouble that you can just be overwhelmed with the trouble that your own bitterness that sprang forth just caused for you and the people around you. Defiles many means it just sort of splashes everybody with sin when it bursts out of the surface. Whatever form it takes, it might take the form of just malicious gossip that sucks other people in to thinking... Badly about somebody else or it might just take the form of an angry outburst towards somebody That that triggers a chain reaction of more sinful reactions From the people around Whatever form it takes the root of bitterness Will spring forth And when it does it's going to cause a lot of trouble And it's going to defile many people There's some infraction somebody does it on purpose or not on purpose or it's a misunderstanding or it's a complete evil action, whatever it is, there's some infraction, and we begin to quietly obsess over it under the surface, a root of bitterness that will eventually spring forth. I know, you know, as a pastor, I talked to many pastors, and I can remember one pastor telling me that an issue emerged from a couple of different people in their church. He knew there was tension between these people, but he never really understood why, and it turns out Decades before he even became the pastor of that church, there was an infraction. There was something that someone did to offend someone else, and it was laughingly minor. It was not a big deal on the front end. But the person who was hurt by the other person buried that root of bitterness, and it just grew and thrived under the surface for decades, only barely sprouting out, just little minor, little points of friction between the two, and then all of a sudden— I don't know how much longer, 40, 50 years later, just, just exploded, and this pastor's trying to trace the, this, this weed back to the root to figure out what in the world even started this. And it was some little thing way back. We don't want that to happen in that big-scale way. We don't want it to happen in small-scale ways. And as we're doing this physical therapy while we're feeling weak, we need to guard ourselves from harboring any roots of bitterness. So, are you bitter toward anyone. That's something you need to let the Holy Spirit search your heart and reveal to you. Is there any root of bitterness in you? Anyone that you are holding back mercy toward? Mercy is when someone deserves some sort of punishment, but you choose not to give it to them. That's what God did for us through Jesus Christ. We deserved mercy. Damnation because of our sin, but those who trust and follow Jesus are instead giving, given mercy. You're pardoned. And then we are expected to extend that to others. Is there anyone that you're holding back grace from? Grace is when you give people blessings that they didn't earn. Again, that's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We don't deserve to be gathered here with a like-minded fellowship of people who love us and that we love. We don't deserve to be reconciled to him and be in a close relationship relationship with him but he blesses us he just pours grace upon grace upon us and then we get to do that with others is there anybody that you're withholding grace from is there anyone that you're withholding forgiveness from someone who did wrong you and you're refusing to forgive them that's what God did for us through Jesus we wronged God through our rebellion in every way and really continue to do so But through Jesus, he heaps forgiveness upon us. And we need to take that seriously as Christians. It may seem like a little tiny root, but roots of bitterness grow, and they spring forth, and they cause a great deal of trouble, and they defile many people. So we need to pull those right now. And you pull them through mercy, grace, and forgiveness, remembering how rich you are in it, and then you douse that root of bitterness with it. It kills it. It's a powerful, powerful chemical. It'll kill the roots of bitterness. So if you're weak, you don't need to climb mountains of faith. Maybe right now you just need, maybe there's just somebody that you just need to forgive. It might not even be that you need to express that forgiveness to them. They may not even know that you've been harboring this root of bitterness. Just within your own heart, you might need to just ask the Lord to help you be merciful, gracious, and forgiving to someone. So that's the first exercise during this physical therapy. The second one, is in verse 16. We want to think about striving for peace with everyone. We also want to think about striving for holiness. Verse 16 continues, the the verb is to see to it. That was in verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And how odd that Jeff mentioned Esau this morning. So here we want to think about immorality and unholiness. When we're weak as Christians, we're vulnerable to temptation and impulsive bad decisions. In Christ, we love purity. We love holiness. We love godliness. We love righteousness. But in our weakened state, we can be tempted to forget all that for some momentary glimpse of pleasure. That's what Esau did. He, I'm sure he loved the fact that he was due the birthright, but in this weak moment when he was hungry, he just forgot all about all that because all he wanted was something to eat. And we can be like that too. And it's especially dangerous with sexual immorality. The Greek word that's translated sexual immorality is pornos, And it's the root word that we use for pornography. It really covers any kind of sexual immorality. Technically, it just means immorality, but it's almost always used in the Bible in reference to sexual immorality. Now, that's not something anybody loves to talk about publicly, but if they struggled with sexual immorality when their only access to it was to breach all kinds of social taboos to actually act out with another human being in person, how much more will we struggle with it when in one sense, it's in a mild way everywhere, but in a much more insidious sense, it's available with complete anonymity when we think about pornography especially. It's everywhere and it's anonymous and it's incredibly dangerous. When we're weak as Christians, we're vulnerable to forget everything that we truly love and hold dear for momentary pleasure. That's especially true of sexual immorality. It's true with general unholiness, which is what the second word is there, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy. When we're weak, we're tempted to just leave God's holy ways and begin to embrace the world's unholy ways. And it doesn't have to be through sexual immorality. It can be through any of the world's unholy ways. It could be through gluttony. It could be through drunkenness. It could be through laziness. Whatever way in which we just sort of drift away from God's good, holy ways and embrace unholy ways. And it says, like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You read that story, how could he do that? How foolish do you have to be to sell your birthright for a meal? But when we think about it in this context, people do it all the time. Christians do it all the time. We have such a rich blessing through Jesus Christ. How can so many Christians just set it all aside for single moments of pleasure through immorality and unholiness? We're weak, we make a bad decision, and there's consequences. There certainly were for Esau. We'll read our last verse, verse 17. For you know that afterward... When Esau desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. We need to take these things seriously. And if you're feeling spiritually weak, don't feel like you have to do anything super awesome and amazing. Just start with these basics. Are you at peace with people? Are you harboring any bitterness toward anyone? <clears throat> and are you at peace with God? Or are you harboring unholiness and immorality? If so, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now, you know it's true. I am harboring immorality in my life, or I am harboring some unholiness. The path out of that is, is right there in front of you. As Christians, we just confess our sin to God, ask for his forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and ask for him to help us to repent, to turn away from it. And He's faithful to do that for his people. But when we're weak, sometimes we just can't see that, and we just we get caught up in it, and we can't get out. I'll just close on the note that we do this physical training together. This is why we are a church and not a bunch of individual Christians out dotting the landscape out there. We, are, we do it together, and throughout the book of Hebrews is constant, or regularly we are reminded to exhort and encourage one another because we need each other in these things. So the way I'd like to... Finish our sermon time is for us to pray together, and then I want you to determine that after the service, if you have anything you need to act on, um, that this will be available. You can come and just pray. I will be available if you just need a little bit of advice or any counsel of any sort, or wonder what does the Bible say about fill in the blank or anything like that. Um, After our closing song, everybody that would like to visit and is uh, ready to go, please just visit out uh, in the foyer Or outside, but if anybody would like to stay and discuss anything further or just pray, I'll just stay here But we need to respond to god's word and there may be some action that you need to take Let's pray Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for being so consistently merciful gracious forgiving and patient with us We are often weak We often allow roots of bitterness to take hold we often fall into immorality and unholiness. This world is just so drenched in all these things. And I'm grateful for this rhythm of coming together and being corrected and being brought back, being cleansed through a renewal of our faith in Jesus. So I just pray that your Holy Spirit will search all of our hearts, reveal to us any specific action that we need to take. If there is any sin or anything that we need to correct, make that clear. And if not... If we are walking in in the light before you, I pray that you would strengthen uh, us all, that we would walk out of here joyful and at peace and light as a feather, knowing that all of our sins are forgiven through Jesus, that we're reconciled to you and that we can be uh, agents of peace and reconciliation out there in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.